Well, hey, CE family, I got to tell you, I'm super excited about the opportunity to, to really kind of teach and to talk about this topic today. I mean, this, this is a big topic. This is, this is something I think has the potential to change literally everything in our lives. And so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about it. I, I will say this, uh, I'm not only excited to speak, but I have to, I have to be honest, I'm a, I'm a little intimidated from time to time speaking up here where Brandon speaks because he does such a phenomenal job. I mean, every Sunday morning, it's a home run. I, I always leave here with, with, with such good insights some practical, portable principles that I can adopt into my life that will make me more like Jesus. I, I love it. So uh, having the opportunity to, to, to preach for him is, is, is truly an honor. When I'm listening to him on Sunday morning, there are a lot of things uh, going on. I, I, while he's speaking, I'm taking notes. And while he's speaking, I'm doing a lot of thinking. And in fact, I, I thought, well, what exactly am I thinking about while he's speaking? And I just jotted down a couple things I thought were kind of interesting. Well, first of all, when, when Brandon is speaking, I'm thinking to myself, this guy, this guy really loves God. He loves God. His, his passion, uh, just the way he talks about his relationship with God, you, you know that it's, it's, it's a very personal, powerful thing. Uh, the other thing that kind of confirms that is the idea that, that he loves God because he loves the things that God loves. He, he loves God's church. He loves God's people. And uh, all of us have had the opportunity uh, to, to, to feel loved and to feel served and uh, to feel cared for by being involved in CE and being under the leadership of Brandon and Jim. It's, it, it, it truly is something really cool. So when he's speaking, I'm thinking... This guy loves God. I, I'm, also, I'm also thinking this guy loves his family. I, I love the stories that he tells about Jen and about uh, the, the kids and, and how, he is, how he is so real. He's so real. I, I, I like the fact that he doesn't try to be somebody he's not. I like the fact that he, he exemplifies what Craig Rochelle says, is that people would, always, would rather follow a leader who is always real than a leader who is always right. And I, 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 think, I think he's a real leader. I think he's a real deal. I think he loves God, and I think he loves his family. And I think about those things, but I also think about this. I think about this guy has a lot of hoodies. <laughs> I, I think, where, did, where are all those come from? How many does, does he have? I, I have to admit, while I'm thinking about, uh, while he's speaking about God, I'm thinking about his hoodies. <laughs> well, I, I want to I jump in today to this teaching, to this, this topic. And I want to start by simply saying, um, I, I get... I get told every once in a while that I'm a tall guy. I'm six foot two, and, and I get that. But I, honestly, I don't really feel tall. I, I don't really think about being tall most of the time. Sometimes after I've worked with a, a couple or an individual through Zoom, and they say, hey, uh, can we meet for coffee? Yeah, I can do that. And we meet, and they're like, wow, you're a lot. You're, you're, I didn't know how tall you were. You're a lot taller. Well, yeah, it's because I've been on a computer screen or an iPhone, right? Uh, but they're like, I didn't know you are that tall. But, but the other time that it, that, that it becomes very aware or apparent, is when I'm in a grocery store or when I'm in a department store and I'm walking down the aisle and I, and I, hear, I hear somebody say, um, hey, hey you. And, and at first I, I'm not sure they're talking to this you or some other you and, and, I, and so I keep walking, hey, excuse me, excuse me. And I realize, I, I, think, they're, I think they're talking. So I turn, I look around, I look around and I, I, don't, I don't see anybody. So I, I keep walking and, excuse me, sir, sir, sir can, hello. And I look around and, and then, and then I hear them say, hey, I'm down here. I'm down here. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little person. I'm a short person. So, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't see you down there. What, what's going on? Well, I, I need some help. Okay, what do you need help with? Well, you see, that, 
You see that box up there on the top shelf? I, because I'm a short person, I can't reach it. But because you're a tall person, you, you should just be able to reach up there with no problem at all and just grab hold of that thing. And it, would, would, you mind, would you mind doing that for me? I mean, I, I, I really, really would appreciate it. Well, of course I'd do that for you. So do you want, how about, no, not that, you, don't, you want the blue one? Okay. And, oh, the, the one in the back? Okay. So I, I, okay, I get it and I go, there you go. And they go, oh, thank you so much, Mr. Tall Person. I said, you're very welcome, short person. And, and we go on our way. And I, and I, and I realized something might be over-dramatized slightly, but the, 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 the point is I realize that there are some things on the top shelf that, that we can't get to unless somebody helps us. There, there are some things up there that are important, up there that we want, that are valuable, but without some help, we will never have the opportunity to enjoy them. And I feel like that's what this teaching is today. I feel like this, this talk is one of those top shelf talks. And while physically I might be able to reach a box of cereal or something else off the top. I, spiritually, I, I feel pretty short when it comes to this, this topic. And I think all of us, all of us probably feel that way as it relates to what we're going to talk about. And I think that will, again, become apparent as we make our way through it. But I want, us to, I want us to jump in today and celebrate this series that we've been going through, right? This Like You series. This series that is helping us to live like Jesus in our relationships. And I have heard... So many people talk about how this has been so helpful to them. And again, I'm hoping that this is going to be a day where we reach up for something that's going to be a little hard to get to. It's going to be a little hard to pull off the shelf, but something very, very valuable in our, in our relationship. So living like Jesus in our relationship. So the question comes to mind, well, how, how do we live like Him? How do we live like Him? And, and the truth is, we live like Him by thinking like Him. That's, that's where it all kind of begins, right? Um, think like Him. Uh, you do what He did by thinking what he thinks. That, that's the beginning of behavior, right? Our beliefs determine our, our behaviors. In the 1990s, early 2000s, there was a, a campaign, an initiative uh, that came out called WWJD. And you may remember there were bracelets and there were Bibles that were branded with this WWJD. And it was basically this idea, what would Jesus do? It was this concept in our lives, in our relationships, much like this Like You series, that we were to consider in our marriages and our homes and our friendships and co-workers, when situations came up, when issues came up, when problems came up, the question was, how do we respond to that? How, how should we respond to that? And, and the, the, the simple answer is, well, just ask yourself this, this question. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Okay. The, the problem is, 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 we need to actually start with what Jesus thinks. It, it doesn't kind of roll off your tongue like WWJD, uh, WDJT, right? Is, is what does Jesus think? And that's really the, the beginning of understanding what would Jesus do by understanding what he, what he thinks. And we can't think like Jesus, really, we can't, until we know what Jesus thinks. It, it, it's as simple as that, right? Uh, we can't model something that we haven't seen modeled. So we can ask the question all we want. What would Jesus do? But if we don't know what he thinks, we don't know what he's done, we, we, we still have no answer to the problems that we're facing. So let me explain it like this. Uh, when I coach a, a man and he comes in and he says, hey, I, I'm, I'm working really, really hard to be the best man I possibly can. I want to be a leader. I want to make a difference. Ah, oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. Tell me how, tell me how to do that. Okay. Well, here's, here, do how about this? And let's try that. Read this book and begin to 
And we go down, and, and then I say something at the end of it. After I've given some practical steps, I say, "Now listen. When you get to the place where you get stuck, and you're going to get stuck, this is the process of growth. You're going to get stuck at some point. I want you to ask yourself a question. When you don't know what to do, ask yourself the question: What would a great man do? What 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 would a great man do? Okay, I've tried this. I've tried that. It's not working. Okay, let me back up just a second. What would, what would a great man do, a great leader do in this situation? Or, or maybe I'm working with a husband, and, and the husband has been trying different things uh, to communicate with his wife, and trying different things to cherish his wife, and trying different things, uh, all, all that kind of stuff, right? And he just feels stuck and doesn't know what else to do. And I said, look, here, here's what you can try. Here's what you can try. When you get to that place where you don't know what else to do, think about what someone would do who was the greatest husband in the whole wide world. What would they do? What would be their move? What would, what would fix this problem if you were the greatest husband in the world? And, and then sometimes that kind of unlocks the behavior that they're looking for. Um, or as a dad, right? We're trying to figure out this parenting thing. We're trying to figure out how to raise kids, how to love kids, how to, how to truly, truly, truly lead into this next generation. We don't always get it right. We can read the books, we can have conversations with other parents, and sometimes we just get stuck and we're not sure what to do. And so the, the obvious question is, is, as a parent, when you don't know what to do, ask the question, what would a great parent do? In this situation, in this conversation, in this frustration, <laughs> what, would, what would a great parent do? Now, now, here's what's interesting about that. When I have these conversations, there are a lot of times when, when, when I think that's a great idea, and it makes a lot of sense, and it should be something that's helpful to them. And they look back at me and they go, "That won't work." I'm like, "Why? Whoa, whoa, whoa! What do you mean that won't work? Why won't that work?" Well, because as a man, I've never really seen a great man, a person of integrity. I didn't, I didn't grow up in that kind of home. I haven't been around those kind of guys. Or, or as a husband, I, I, I saw what my dad did, and he, he wasn't great. I saw what my uncle did, and I, 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 I don't want to model that. And to be honest, I, I don't, I don't. I don't have anybody that I can say, that I can visualize in my mind, what, what would they do? I don't, I don't have that. Or, or even as a dad. As a dad, I don't, I don't have a, a person in my life that I can go to mentally and say, I know what they would do. They would do this. And, and that's a problem, right? You can't model something that you haven't seen modeled. And even as it relates to our relationship with Christ. We want to be more like Christ, but you can't just be more like Christ in the sense w without understanding who Christ is. In other words, this whole idea of Christian, which simply means little Christ, models of Christ, how can we be like Christ if we don't know what He thinks, if we don't know what He does? So if we want to live like Jesus, we've got to think like Jesus. And if we're going to think like Jesus, we, we've got to know what Jesus thinks. We've got to know what His thoughts are. Philippians Philippians 2, 5-11 through 11 is a place where we're going to find some gold. This is going to be the beginning of this top shelf discovery. We're going to begin to see what's on the top shelf and how it can impact us. And I hope it will motivate us to do some stretching and some getting up on some tiptoes and maybe even grabbing a ladder to come out to get up to what God has for us. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I don't think that we could have a better setup to give us an answer to this question. How, how do we live like Jesus in our, in our relationships? Because the verse starts out, in your relationships with one another, okay, that, that should get our attention, in your relationships with one another, and then it says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You don't know how to get it right? Get the mindset of Christ. Simple as that. So, so what, what, what is this mindset? What is this idea of mindset? I mean, when you think about that word, what, what, how do you answer it? And I think most of us have been around long enough, we've read enough stuff on, on personal growth and professional growth and self-help and all that kind of stuff. We've, we've heard some buzzwords, if you will, attached to the word mindset. You might have heard uh, this idea that, that mindset is really a behavior-producing beliefs. It's this idea that what's going on in your mind is, is, is going to determine what you do with your hands and your feet, and it's going to determine how you live, right? It, it's this idea that our mindset creates our footsteps. Our mindset creates our footsteps. That's why it's so important in our relationships to make sure we have the right mindset. Maybe you've heard uh, phrases like this, that person has a fixed mindset. Or, or, or I have a fixed mindset. And, and what they're saying is, is it, it, I haven't, so I can't. When, when, they look, when they look back in the history of where they've been, what they've done, what they've experienced, it, 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 hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. And so because of, that, because of that, think of it this way, because of that Polaroid that can't be changed is a picture of the past, they are stuck with that. And they look forward and they go, well, because I haven't, I can't. Because I never experienced it, I never will. It's this idea, it's this idea of just kind of, this is the way I will always be. And there are so many people that live their lives that way, not believing that there can be change in their lives. And I got some good news for you. There can be change. It's hard. It takes time, but it is possible. So a fixed mindset says, I haven't, so I can't. A growth mindset says, I haven't. When I look back in my life, my behavior, my attitudes, it, it, it's not there. It's not there. But that doesn't mean that it can't be there. It doesn't mean that I can't do it. it. doesn't mean that I can't find it. it. doesn't mean that I can't change. That's what a growth, that's what a growth mindset is. And, and I like to put it this way. A growth mindset is I haven't yet. Okay? What, one of my very favorite words to, to offer to couples as a word of hope is when we're talking about the frustration they have in their relationship and they'll say, we, we just we can't communicate. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you can't communicate yet okay well we're, we're frustrated and and we just we, we don't get along and and and, and i said you, you don't get along yet so i try to encourage people look have a growth mindset that says yeah i haven't i haven't experienced it, it it's not part of my past but that doesn't mean it can't be part of my future so have a growth mindset henry ford the great creator the father of <laughs> the Model T and Mustangs and F-150s, right? He says, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. So it's your choice. You get to pick either I haven't and I won't ever be able to, or I haven't and I'm going to do it. I, it's not going to hold me back. I'm going to have a growth, a growth mindset. You've probably heard of this before. But let's talk about this Jesus mindset. This is really what we've gathered here to talk about. This is what we want to unpack and uncover and put into our lives. Again, what does Jesus think? That's 
the question. What is his, what is his mindset? So that we can then do what he would do. What would Jesus do? So three thoughts that I want to share with you that Jesus thinks. Three thoughts that Jesus thinks. The first one is found in verse 6 of Philippians chapter 2. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Something to be used. Something to be held on to. Could be a reason, could be an excuse. But being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God. Being God himself, that, that isn't something I'm going to hang on to. God has a plan and a purpose, Jesus says. God has a purpose and a plan for me. And even though I am God, I can't say I'm not going to do that. I'm not available for that. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to hang on to the reasons and the excuses that that I have. Jesus was not allowing anything to be used as an excuse to keep him from doing everything God wanted him to do. So when we think about this mindset of Jesus and we think about how it needs to be in our lives, we, we need to eliminate our excuses. That's what Jesus did. This is the first piece of his thinking as it relates to, to, to moving through these verses of Philippians. Eliminate your excuses. And we've got a lot of them, right? We've got a lot of excuses, that, excuses that I'd call butts, all right? They're buts. So, well, you know, I would do it, but. Well, I would, I would love my wife more, but. Well, I, I would probably be a better father, but. Right? I mean, we, we have a lot, and, and a lot of them have to do with our past, that, that past that I was pointing to, and thinking about where you've been and what you've experienced. A lot of it has to do with that. When I, when I talk with couples and I talk with individuals, one of the questions I ask is, hey, tell me a little bit about your family of origin. Tell me, tell me about your parents. Were they together? Are they divorced? You grew up in a single mom? Tell me, give me, give me some understanding about your past. Biological, blended? What, what about your family? Uh, what about your birth order? Were you, were you a, a baby of the, of the family? And if they're the baby of the family, I'm like, woo! <laughs> now I understand. I'm a baby of the family. I'm, I'm a handful. I'm, I, 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 I get it. I get it, right? So, so just our past, just where we've been, what we've experienced, what we've gone through can become an excuse for keeping us from getting where God wants us to go. I love what Brandon says. He says, the past explains us, but it doesn't excuse us. So true. It explains us, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't excuse us. John Maxwell says, don't allow a bad experience to become a life experience. I think this is where a lot of us go wrong. We all have had bad experiences. We've all had relationships that have fallen apart. And it's easy for us to allow that one experience to mess up all of our experiences. We can, we can use excuses. We can, we can blame ourselves and blame others. And before long, we talk ourselves out of doing and being what God wants us to be. So there's a past, a lot of, a lot of butts, so to speak, in the past. Our personality, I hear this all the time. Well, that's just the way I'm wired. That's just, that's just who I am. That's, that's an excuse. You, you may not be able to change everything about your personality, but you can definitely sand off the sharp edges. Uh, what about the present? Well, I'm just too busy. I've got so much going on. I'm in a bad place. Uh, uh, again, a lot of excuses. And, 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 and here's the interesting thing that I love, I love about Scripture. As you read through God's Word, you don't read about people who didn't have excuses. You just read about people who didn't use excuses. And Jesus leads the way on this, right? I mean, if he had, he, he had the best reason, he had the best excuse not to do what God wanted him to do because he was God. He, he was God. But Scripture shows us pictures and profiles and portraits of people who were young 
old, rich, poor, every color, every culture, blended homes, biological homes, from good homes and bad homes, and no homes at all. And though they might have had an excuse, they didn't use that as an excuse because they wanted to do what God wanted them to do. So in your relationships, I, I, I think one thing is really, really important is that we do everything we can, everything we can to move forward and to get rid of the excuses. This $100 reminds me of a, a guy that I was working with, and he had anger problems. And every time we brought up the relationship, the conversation was, well, it's, it's, it's messed up because of me, because of my anger problems. And I said, well, how, how can we deal with those? Well, there's, there's nothing I can do about my anger problems. And I said, well, I got an idea. I got an idea. Let, let's try something for a week. I'm going to ask your wife to take a piece of paper. I'm going to ask her that every time you, you start getting angry, when you, when you calm yourself down, self-soothe, go out, take a walk, take a drink of water, settle down, get control of your anger, and you get it right, I'm going to have her just, just make a mark on a piece of paper. And at the end of the week, when you come back, I'm going to have her bring that piece of paper back in. And if there's one mark on there, or if there's 20 marks in there, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you $100 every time you're able to get control of your anger. Now let me ask you something. Do you think you could do that? He goes, well, <laughs> I definitely could do that. I, I could see his eyes light up, and I, and I, and, and I said to him, I'm not going to give you $100. Because what you're going to get by not using that as an excuse and getting control of that, believe it or not, is going to be a lot more valuable. It's going to be priceless in your relationship. So let, let, let's, work on, let's work on eliminating our excuses. So my question, my question would be simple. What, what's your excuse? What's your excuse for not being a great dad, not being a great husband, not being a great man, not being a great wife, not being a great mother, not being a great lady? What, what's your excuse? As Jesus leads the way in helping us to know what to do by showing us what he thought, and his thinking was we've got to eliminate our excuses. We've got to get them out of the way. The next one is found in verse 7. The Bible says he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. What exactly does that mean? Well, it, it means that Jesus emptied his, his self. Okay? His self. His plans, his desires. He emptied all of that. Now, the, the word that we find here is a word called kenosis, and it literally means emptying, but it, it's emptying with a purpose. So, so think of this. You can't put the right things in when you are full of the wrong things. That's, that's just all there is to it, right? Even if you want to put good things into your life, you, you, you can't because there's some other things taking up room. It's a, it's a simple law of physics, right? So there's, there's got to be some clearing some space in, in, our, in, 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 in ourselves, and that's what Jesus is teaching here. That's what he's talking about. So there's some rules at our house. You buy a new shirt, okay? You, you got to get rid of an old shirt. You, you, you buy a new pair of shoes, you got to get rid of an old pair of shoes. You buy a new tool, that's it. That's it. I mean, if Brandon can have 100 hoodies, I can have at least, I can have at least 20 hammers, right? Rules at our house. Kenosis is, is really a purposeful emptying that leads to a purposeful filling. There, there's, a, there's an emptying that goes on for the purpose of making room for something, something better. I, I have to admit, I am a part of a group called OA. Part of a group called OA. And that is Overpackers Anonymous. Uh, I, I get a chance to travel from time to time. And I, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but, but when I travel, I always overpack. And I have, I have people say to me from time to time, like, you know, you, you got a giant suitcase here. How long... How, <laughs> How long are you going to be gone? I'm like, well, I'm going to be gone quite a while. I'm going to be gone like two or three hours. 
And, and I, I, need, I need all of this stuff in here, right? And, and, and this is the idea that I want us to, to kind of get in mind. Think of this not as a suitcase, but think of this as a, as a self-case, okay? As a suitcase, when it gets too full, we go through and we say, okay, we don't need this, we don't need that, I don't need 17 shirts, I'm only going to be gone for a day or two. And, and we begin to unpack so that there's room. So maybe when we get to where we're going, we can put some other things in and bring them home. There might be something there that we want. And if we get there with too much stuff, we won't be able to bring it home. Simple as that. So that's, a, that's the concept of the suitcase. The, the self-case is a lot like that. It, it, it's this idea that, that there are things in here that, that, that need to go, that need to be unpacked so that the right things can be packed in our hearts and in our lives and in our relationships. Well, obviously, the things that ought to go, are, I mean, this, these are the easy things to figure out, right? The trash. Any trash in our lives has got to has got to be removed. It's got to be taken out, get out of there. And and we've already talked about we've already talked about the excuses, right? So there's there's some medium sized butts in here. Some excuse. There's some there's some little butts in here. Some little excuses. There there's some big ones. There's some big ones in here too, right? And if we want to make room, we we've got to eliminate. We've talked about that. Eliminate those excuses. There's also something else in here that I think that I think is important for us to understand, and, and that, is, that is all of us have plans and dreams. I think this is part of what is in our self-case. We have things that we want and things that we plan for and things that we dream of. And, and this is a little hard to get rid of, but I want you to know that Jesus led the way by, by emptying Himself of the things that were in His life that needed to get out of his life so that God could put the right things in his life. And I would just say to you, this is, this is important, this is good, you, you've had, but, but if we get rid of that, here, here's the good news, if we get rid of that, I think, we'll discover, I think we'll discover that God, in fact, I know that Scripture tells us that he's, he's able to do abundantly and above that which we could ask or think. So compared to, compared to our blueprints, God's blueprints are much more detailed, they're much more, they're much more beautiful. They're going to give us the life that He intended, that He created us to live. This, this has got to go in here, but, but this has got to come out of here. And so, so the question is, is, in thinking about our excuses, again, there's no room for new experiences when you're full of old excuses. Maybe some of you today, you have, you have all the things, all the reasons, all the whys and to keep you from having good relationships as a husband as a wife, as a mom or dad, son, daughter, single, senior. But it's time to unpack some of those things and say to God, I'm emptying myself. That doesn't mean you have to lose yourself. Jesus, Jesus didn't become un-God. He just became fully man. So He got rid of the things that didn't belong and He kept the things that did belong. And God was able to add and able to use Him and able to make Him into our Savior. So what's in you? What's in you? What's in your self-case that you know today as it relates to your relationship it really ought to go? It's got to go. It needs to go. Because if God is going to put the right things in, you've got to get the, right, the wrong things out. Empty yourself. And then, and then finally, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled Himself and becoming obedient to death. He became obedient to death, and then it goes on and it says, even death on a cross. Now, let's look at something here. This third thought that we want to get in our minds, make part of our mindset so that we can be more like Jesus in our relationships, is to embrace humble obedience. 
embrace humble obedience. What, what exactly does that mean? That means being a servant. That's exactly what it means. It means becoming a, becoming a servant. The Bible says that Jesus, on the night before He went to the cross, is sitting with His disciples. They're having this Last Supper that we're all familiar with. We have communion here on a regular basis to celebrate that. But one of the things that Jesus did that last night, His last opportunity to speak into His disciples before He would be crucified, the last opportunity, the last teaching moment, what does He teach about? He doesn't teach them how to be good preachers. He doesn't teach them how to heal people. He teaches them how to serve. To serve. And the Bible says that he, he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. He modeled for them what we are supposed to be doing in our relationships. And some of us in our relationships are frustrated. And there's a lot of bad things going on. I get that. We're not taking away from that. This stuff has to be worked on. We've got to deal with that. That's why counseling and coaching is so important. I get that. But for some of us, we're at the point where we're, we're ready to, I mean, think about Jesus. He got up, he put a towel around it to serve his disciples. That was his, his final moment of teaching. Some of us, some of us in our relationships, we're, we're getting up from the table, but we're about ready to throw in the towel, right? We're about ready to throw in the towel instead of throw on the towel. And what we see in the life of Jesus is that service was his priority. By emptying himself, he truly could become the servant that God could use. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient, obedient even to death. Do you, do you know that there's what I would call a servant spectrum? A continuum and and when we go through and we serve people and we do things for people and we sacrifice we call it sacrifice right I mean there's a certain level it's way over here it's called dislike or like well I'm gonna do it but I really don't like to do it okay well that, that's a start well I'm, I'm gonna do it and it hurts I mean I can feel the pain the sacrifice and and, and it's starting it, it, it not just to where I don't like it but it but it, it really hurts and then then there's a place over here way over here that has to do with totally dying to yourself totally giving away some of the things that don't belong so that you can be more like Jesus. And then finally, then finally, there is a complete sacrifice. And Jesus, this model shows us there was dislike, there was discomfort, there was death, but Jesus, he covered everything. That's why I'm saying this is a top shelf. This isn't going to be easy. This isn't going to happen necessarily today. This is going to take some time and some effort. And I, and I want to give you some steps to do this because Jesus did it and God exalted him. The Bible says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, he took his place. He did it. The question for us is, are you going to take your place? Are you going to take your place as a, as a great dad, as a, as a great husband, as a great man? Ladies, are you going to take your place as a great lady? great wife, great mom. You take your place by following the example of Jesus, by taking on his mindset. Think like Jesus. Eliminate your excuses. Get rid of the excuses. Empty your self-case. And then finally, embrace humble obedience. Now, how are we going to do this? I'm just going to give you two quick things. Number one, pray. Number one, pray. Every single time I've put together a prayer list, I've got done and I realized I forgot something. I have all these people to pray for, all these issues to pray for. I forgot something really important. You know what I forgot? I forgot my name. 
my name ought to be at the top where I say, God, help me to reach this top shelf issue. Help me to be more like Jesus in my relationships. Help me. So pray, but start by just praying for you. And then, and then second, practice. This is going to take some practice. You're, you're, you're not naturally going to want to sacrifice, want to serve. You, you might be okay with the dislike and the discomfort, whew, but the death, literally giving up something and letting something die so that you can enjoy a new life, that, that's, that's going to be tough, and it's going to take some practice. And I would just encourage you, that's what Life Groups, that's what CE is here for, to give you some guidance and some encouragement and some accountability as you move forward. Let's reach the top shelf today. Let's, let's find that, that model that Jesus has set for us and, and implement that into our lives so that we can, we can live like Jesus in our relationship. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy and do what only you can do in our lives, but also challenge us to do what you called us to do. Together we can be the people that you need us to be, to take our place, to be successful as men and women sons and daughters and followers of Christ. Thank you again for Jesus, our example, our Savior, and our soon coming King. We love you. Amen.